Good morning. My name is Tom Carver. I'm the lead pastor here at Asbury and Corpus Christi. I want to welcome you. Uh, glad you're joining us uh, both here and, and at home. I uh, also want to alert those at home uh, that uh, a little bit later on in the service we will be uh, having uh, receiving communion. And so I want to encourage you to uh, have something to represent the body of Christ and something to uh, represent the Jesus uh, or the, the blood of Christ. Uh, and so that you can participate at home as we participate here in the Lord's Supper. So I want to begin with a, with a question. And, and the question I want to begin with is, is, is the virgin birth important to your faith? Let me repeat that question. Is the virgin birth important to your faith? Now, I, I know if we were down the street a ways uh, and, and across the street at St. John's Catholic Church, my ex, uh, expect, uh, expectancy or my expectation is that most of us would be saying, yes, uh, Catholic theology builds on the virginity of, uh, of Mary and it's a, it's a very significant part of Catholic theology, but we in the United Methodist Church, we don't address it much at all. And, uh, and if you're like me, uh, not too long ago, I would have just kind of shrugged at that, that question because I, I would say it's not significant, not important uh, to my faith. Uh, today, I, I, I beg to differ with uh, Tom from a few months ago. And, and, and this is why, first of all, uh, there are two accounts of the birth of Jesus, one in uh, Matthew and the other in Luke. Uh, and they cover different aspects and different details. One comes from the perspective of someone who's grown up in the Jewish culture, and that would be Matthew. Matthew is a Jewish tax collector who has been called by Jesus and, and uh, has experienced what it is to walk with, with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Uh, the other is uh, most likely a Gentile, certainly not one who has grown up in Jewish culture, uh, a Gentile uh, a doctor, and, uh, and he didn't walk with Jesus. Uh, he later uh, began to investigate what it was to be uh, a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, he was very active in the missionary outreach of the church beyond, uh, beyond Israel, beyond Judah and, and Galilee. And so they come from two different perspectives, two different backgrounds. They cover different aspects of, of uh, the birth of Jesus, and yet both of them find it important to, to emphasize that, that there was a virgin named Mary who, was, uh, uh, who, uh, who uh, allowed the Holy Spirit to place uh, the gift of God, Jesus, in, in her womb. And, um, and, and one of the things uh, about that, I, was, I, I remember, or I uh, uh, recall where Jesus is in a conversation with some religious leaders and, and uh, he's being uh, tested. In fact, they're trying to push Jesus in the into the corner, trying to trip him up and, and they, they tell this story. And, and the purpose of their story was to show how ridiculous this idea of, of eternal life is. They didn't believe in, in eternal life. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in heaven. Uh, and so as they're talking to Jesus and they're telling this story and they think they've really uh, pushed him in the corner and, and got him, uh, uh, he, he comes back with this. You are in error. For you do not know scripture nor the power of God. 
And I, and I would say when it comes to the virgin birth, at one point in my life, I would say I was in error. I knew neither the scriptures nor the power of God. And as we look at, 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 this, at this message uh, that is presented, because uh, in, in this, there is this incredible, unreasonable, illogical, it doesn't make sense moment where God places his son in the womb of a virgin and, uh, and, 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 and begins to move toward an incredible mission. Now, here's the, here's the thing. If you're one of those who still kind of shrugs your shoulder and says it's not important whether she was or wasn't a virgin, that's not the important part of the message. Uh, you stand in a long line of those who just find it too incredible to, to believe. Uh, you stand in a long line of doubters, and at the head of the line, the one who, who starts the whole list is a guy named Joseph. <laughs> Joseph, at one point, was right at the front of that line saying, Mary, I don't believe that you're a virgin and pregnant. Either you're not pregnant or you're not a virgin. Uh, Joseph was betrothed to Mary, uh, Mary and, uh, and uh, at some point he discovers that she is pregnant. Uh, he is stunned by that revelation, whether it's simply through observation that her body was physically changing uh, and he was around her enough to recognize something's not right here, or whether Mary herself told him what was going on. Either way, the bottom line is he knew she was pregnant and he also knew he was not the father. And, and so uh, in the midst of that, he's wrestling with what am I going to do with about this. I, I care about Mary. She's She's been my betrothed. I had every intention to marry her, but she's gone way too far. She's violated uh, our culture. She's violated our my uh, trust in her. Uh, I need to do something. Now, he knew that if he did it publicly, he might completely destroy and take the life of his beloved. And so he decided, I'm going to divide her divorce her and I'm going to do it privately because he wanted to protect her. Even though he was uh, feeling the, the pains of, of betrayal, he was, he was uh, still loving and caring for her and he wanted to be gracious and, 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 and merciful. And, and it's in the midst of that wrestling at, in, at, at night when he's in that place between wakefulness and, and, uh, and deep sleep that uh, an angel appears to him. And this is what the angel said. Uh, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So here is, here is Joseph, and he is, he is told of an incredible event. A, a, an unmarried woman who was a virgin was about to give birth to the Son of God. And, and he's introduced to an incredible mission. And he is, he is uh, called, going to be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Uh, 
Luke sharing uh, again the the story and the mission uh, t tells uh, about uh, the night in which uh, uh, shepherds were watching their sheep by uh, at night. Uh, they're probably somewhere between wakefulness, full wakefulness, and just about to nod off to sleep when a, an angel appears in the sky and, and he brings this message. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, I want to come back to, to the, the fact that uh, the angel says he will be called, you will give him the name Jesus. And uh, in, in English, we say Jesus, in Spanish, Jesus, uh, it, it looks the same, it sounds different. Uh, but in, uh, in Jesus' day and time, and in his culture, in the Hebrew uh, culture, he was not called Jesus, he was called Yeshua. And, and Yeshua uh, represents two words being brought together. The one word is Yahweh, uh, the Hebrew name for God. And the other is Shua which uh, means a, a, a cry, a, a, uh, a saving cry. And, uh, and as I, I, I hear those two words coming together, I, I remember the story where uh, the people of Israel have been in uh, Egypt for over 400 years, and, and during that time they've been uh, enslaved uh, for a great deal of, of, uh, of time. And, uh, and at some point, uh, their cry goes up to heaven, and it talks about, uh, and, and their cry went up to he heaven, and God heard their cry, and God was moved to take action. And so we hear even in the name of Jesus, uh, Yahweh, Shua, uh, there is a cry going up to God from our world, and, and a cry, God, come, save, help, rescue and, 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 and literally, uh, the very name Jesus, when we call out uh, the name Jesus, we're saying God saves. God has moved into our world, and he has come to rescue his people. Now, again, Matthew says, he will save his people from their sins. And, uh, you know, uh, as, as I've been reading uh, Adam Hamilton's book, Incarnation, he talks about, you know, if you go to a church where they uh, only talk about sin, and I mean, the only place I, I, I think that I ever hear about sin is uh, in uh, either I'm reading scripture, uh, I'm in church, or I'm with church people. And he was noting the fact that if you go to church where they only talk about sin, you need to find another church. But then he goes on to say, and if you go to a church where they never talk about sin, you need to find another church. But in, in relation to all that, uh, both in the Hebrew understanding that, that is found in the, what we call the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew scriptures, and uh, and in, in the Christian scriptures, uh, the New Testament, one is written in Hebrew, the other is written in Greek uh, originally, uh, but both of them have, uh, have a word that we translate sin, 
and, and there is a sense uh, in both words uh, that uh, that when we are engaged in sin and when sin has a hold of us, uh, that there is this idea that it, there is a path and we stray from the path. Or there is a, a, a mark and, and we miss the mark. There's a target, there's a direction, and somehow we stray from the path, we miss the mark, but we're, uh, we, we don't... Uh, we don't follow uh, a righteous way, and, uh, and 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 if that's the case, if sin is about something that that happens inside of us uh, and and all, and it's about straying from the path, it's it's about missing the mark. Then it, then it begs the question: Well, what is the path, and what is the mark? And uh, and and when we think about that. Uh, the Hebrew Scriptures give us the Ten Commandments and uh, 600 plus more uh, instructions on what it is to live as a, uh, a people of God. And, uh, and so we have some idea that whatever the, the path is, whatever the mark is, it involves living out the Ten Commandments. Uh, we also understand from uh, the Christian Scriptures when we begin to read about Jesus, Jesus uh, in fact, we looked at this in August, uh, September, and early October. Uh, I, I entitled the message, The Kingdom Talks, and it's about the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the unfolding uh, of the kingdom principles. What is it to live like God would have us live? And, and so when we talk about the path or, or the way, the mark, uh, we begin to understand that from Scripture, and both in the Hebrew Scriptures and the Christian Scriptures, we can narrow it down to two sentences. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, we, we understand that. It, 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 you know, we understand that the, the way of God, the, to walk with God, involves a certain way of life. And, and I can give you some, I, I can give you some situations, and, and I'm going to ask you, so what do you do? And here's an example. The, you run into someone who is hungry. What do you do? You feed them, Right? You, you run into someone who is, who is just dying of thirst. You know, maybe it's someone who's, who's run and been uh, exercising a little longer than he or she should have been. And, uh, and you see that. How do you respond? What do you do? You give them something to drink. You run into someone who is uh, isolated and alone and, and wrestling with, uh, with what happens when, when you are alone and, and they're dealing with loneliness. You become what to them? A friend, a pal. You begin to, to connect with them. And so we understand that there is a way and we know that the, there is a right way to live and, uh, and, and I love the, the way that, uh, that Adam Hamilton puts it in Incarnation. He writes, if everyone walked this path, we would have no wars. We would have no prisons. 
And we wouldn't see refugee crises or have a world where people die of malnutrition. There would be no more, no more racism or bigotry. All marriages would survive. There would be no sexual assault, no cruelty, no dishonesty or unkindness anymore. So we hear those words and and actually there's something inside our, of our soul that longs for those very things. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying for. We're praying for a world like that. But he goes on to, to write that that is not the world we live in. It, it isn't. We know that. We recognize that. Why don't we have that kind of world? And he goes on to say, the Christian answer is sin. The Christian answer is sin. The missing of the mark, the, the getting off the path. And, and when we hear that Jesus has come, he, uh, he has come to save his people from their sins. What we're talking about is that Jesus has come to put us on the right path again, uh, to move us in the right direction, to help us, enable us to, to aim for and, and move toward the mark. Now, so he's come to, to uh, save us, and, and save from what? We say save from sin. But let's, uh, let's just kind of look at that. One of the things about the pandemic is it's kind of exposed us as a church and as a, as a community and as a, a, as a nation uh, to, to some of the realities in our lives. It, you know, honestly, there are things that I've seen in me uh, during the pandemic, uh, especially in the early days. Uh, I didn't uh, handle uh, those initial uh, days of, of lockdown very well. And, uh, and, and uh, I was just kind of looking at uh, several articles and, and reading about some of the responses that we've had uh, within the United States. Uh, let's start with alcohol. We know that alcohol is, it has, uh, uh, comes with, with some, uh, some cautions, let's say. And, uh, and to drink too much has created worlds of, of destructive behavior. And, uh, and uh, in 2020, uh, I was reading an article about uh, how uh, online alcohol sales uh, have surged in, in uh, 2020. Uh, and, and these statistics represent one of two things. Maybe it represents both things. I believe both things are true. But one is alcohol sales online. It, it means that we're shopping differently uh, for our liquor. Uh, it could simply mean that, uh, that this search could simply mean we're still uh, buying and consuming the same amount, but now we're, we're doing it online rather than going to uh, the uh, liquor or alcohol aisle at the grocery store or going to the liquor store. Um, uh, but I also think it, it represents a, a shift in, in consumption as well, not just how we buy it, but how much we buy. And, uh, and we've gone from $3 billion worth of online sales last year, 2019, to it's anticipated that it'll be $5.6 billion. That's, 
uh, over two and a half billion dollars more spent on alcohol in the United States online than last year. Um, I also was uh, just kind of curious because I, I knew that uh, this is one of the areas that we as Americans uh, wrestle with, uh, not just uh, just those outside of the church, those within the church, and, and that's pornography. And I was reading an article that talked about in, in the middle of August, was looking back to this past spring and saying that we as uh, Americans uh, consumed uh, uh, pornography at, at about 20% higher level than in 2020 than we did uh, in the spring of 2019. Uh, and then there's there's the other uh, aspect uh, of all of this. And uh, recently, uh, the question was asked of young adults somewhere, I believe, between 18 and 25. Uh, the question was asked, uh, in, the, in the past 30 uh, days, have you considered or thought about suicide? And, uh, and the number of those answering yes to that question had increased to the point that uh, one out of every four young adults had considered suicide in the last 30 days. So all of these are, are talking about our response to uh, the lockdown, isolation, uh, our uh, response to, to, to that emptiness that comes inside uh, the, the uh, human soul. And, and that tendency to reach for that, uh, to fill up or, 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 uh, or numb the pain of our isolation. The results of that, uh, that inner battle called sin. And Jesus came to save us from our sins. His very name speaks to the reality that God in an incredible way, placed his son in a human uh, womb so that he could be born into our world, given the name God saves, and then through his life, death, and resurrection to remove the stain and the power of sin. Now, if we're saved from sin, I believe we're saved for if we're saved from something, I believe we're saved for something. And as, as we move into to that, what we're saved for, I, I want to start with, there's three things that you absolutely need to be convinced of. Three things that you need to know today. The first thing you need to know is that you are forgiven. That you are forgiven. That, that the power of sin is that, and, and, and the direction of sin is toward destruction. And, and to, to break that power, one of the things that God has to do is to remove the guilt and shame and just simply speak into your life and into my life and say, you are forgiven. You know, I, I, this is not something that just came about because Jesus came, lived, died, and, 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 and was raised from the dead. This is, this is the scriptures. From the beginning to end, there is, is God saying, you are forgiven. I, I was just looking this morning because I, I knew it was it in the Psalms, but I wasn't sure where it was. But in Psalm 103, this is the image that God 
gives to you and me about our sin. He says, as far as uh, uh, the east is from the west, that's how far I have taken your sins away from you. Sin, me, we are like this. We are so enmeshed that, uh, that everything I think and say and do involves my sin, my shame, my guilt. And God says, I've broken that. And I've taken you. I've taken your sin. And I put you here and your sin there. You see the imagery here? What does this remind you of? This particular uh, arms outstretched. It reminds you of what? The cross. At the cross, God in Jesus Christ did this incredible thing. He took me and my sin and he separated us through Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. The second thing you need to know is you are loved. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this. There's a, there's a moment in uh, King David's life when one of his older sons does a horrendous thing and because he did this horrendous thing, he ran away from his dad, knew that he was deserving of punishment and he went off to a far off land and he wasn't about to come back home. But eventually, uh, David through, uh, through a messenger sent the message, you can come back home, you're forgiven. So he comes back home, but he doesn't come all the way home to his dad, he just comes back to the land because he, you know, there's this moment where you're forgiven, but you're not welcome. You need to, you know, we need to stay apart. And sometimes when we think forget, you know, there's forgiveness, but there's, but I can't go back. And, and God says, not only are you forgiven, but you are loved. And because you are loved, you're welcome. And the third thing that we all need to know, that you need to know, that I need to know, is you need to know you are valued, that you have worth in the eyes of God. That it, it isn't just like uh, you're a, a nice, uh, loved item in his home, that, but that you have uh, value, that you are precious in, in God's eyes. And uh, how do I know that? Because what is the most expensive thing in the kingdom of God? The most precious thing in the kingdom of God? It's his son, Jesus Christ. His son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what did God give to the world that the world might be redeemed? He gave his only begotten son. So I know that you and I have value in the eyes of God. So we, you know, and like I said, today, as we move into this Christmas season, and, uh, and we know this season, this Christmas is not going to be like last Christmas. And, and in this season is going to be different than any other season. And, and we may be facing isolation and, and loneliness in, in ways that we never imagined. It's important for you and I to know these three things. Forgiveness, love, and value. And because of that, you and I have been saved for a reason. I want to go to an article that was written by William Wan in the Washington Post and, uh, and he was talking about suicide. He gave several 
uh, anecdotal uh, stories about parents who had lost children. And, and one of those who had lost uh, a, a son, a 16-year-old son, was Ted Robbins, and, or Ted Robbins. And his son, Christian, took his life when he was 16 years old. Uh, you know, I looked at the picture of that young boy, and, and he was handsome. There's something uh, attractive about him. It's like, I, I think I would have enjoyed knowing Christian. Uh, and, and yet he took his own life. And in the article, it says, uh, on a recent visit to the cemetery, Ted Robbins found two teenage girls he recognized from Christian's funeral, sit, funeral sitting at his son's grave. One of the girls was sobbing. The girl said she too suffered from depression and was wrestling with suicidal thoughts. You don't know how bad it is right now, she told him. Almost every one of my friends has thought about it. His son Christian told Ted and his father that a voice inside was whispering how worthless he was, how he was hated by everyone. That is the message of destruction. I am worthless and I am hated by everyone. And yet God invaded this world through a, through a, a virgin named Mary and through the person we call Jesus. So that you and I would know that we are loved and we have worth. And, and your mission and my mission, our purpose, we've been saved, saved for a purpose, is to carry that message into our world. In this season, the, the greatest gift that you can bring to someone who is in the dark and who are, is dealing with these terrible thoughts is the gift that God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven you, loves you, and values you. To live, to love, to laugh. It is all Jesus Christ. Amen.